It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. White Sox fans, I do not know how the cues work, so I might be talking um, too early, too late. Uh, who cares? It's Sox Populi 146. Though my esteemed guests maybe can't see it. Oh, no, they can. They're here with us in StreamYard with the duck. They know that I'm titling this race at the bottom. Well, <laughs> bad timing uh, tonight as we are talking. Somehow, Crystal O'Keefe, Melissa Sage Bowenbach, and Dante Jones pulled themselves away from what was, at least when I left it, a six to six to nothing White Sox lead on the hated Cleveland Guardians or Cleveland, whatever they are. Uh, that really doesn't necessarily change the course of this season or the tone of this podcast, though. Hey, listen, I, I dominate with bad jokes, stupid stats, and dashing good looks too often on these podcasts. So I can certainly uh, hand it off to any uh, of the three of my guests to just throw out whatever it is we want to talk about with this White Sox team uh, right now. Uh, as you may have seen in Race to the Bottom, a series five years ago I thought would never have to be revived for as long as either I lived or <laughs> I was running that other site called Southside Sox. Um, adding Tommy Barbie also to the stream. We are now a five-pack. Um, but I didn't think we'd ever have to revive that series. Guess what? It crept right up on us with a quarter of the season pretty much more or less uh, gone White Sox, uh, pending results tonight on pace for 108 losses, I believe with the third worst start, third or fourth worst start in White Sox history. And that history doesn't go back to like 1969 or 1993. It goes back to essentially 1900. So it's not a small sample size. That said, they're winning tonight as we speak. Tommy Barbie, recapper, pulls himself away. He's done all his pre He's done. He. This was the story he wrote before the game started. So he's like, whatever, just confirmed. The confirmation bias of ace recapper and one time White Sox Park uh, recapper for us at Southside Hit Pen, Tommy Barbie. And Crystal O'Keefe also joining, though she's got two stories to write. But again, those are probably already done. Just throw in a couple stats once the game ends. Uh, it's old hat. Okay. Anyhow, uh, I got no agenda other than the fact that this team's awful, uh, I guess with the exception of tonight, uh, thoughts on where this team is at and what they are going to do in the last three quarters of the season. Hey, it was Burn a it all down. <laughs> Burn it all down. <laughs> Thanks for joining us on Sox Populi. Uh, okay. Tommy Barbie comes in hot. Even though he, man, he's, you know, he's got the buzz of a six run lead uh, coming in hot. Okay, burn it down, please. <laughs> uh, give me a little more information. There, there's still, I mean, you know, like you said, they're on pace for 108 losses, brings a whole new meaning to the 108. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that you have Giolito, who's clearly on the way out. I would even argue TA is probably on the way out, like pitch clock thing notwithstanding um it, it they're back where they were where um they were looking to ship chris sale and adam eaton it's like that same awkward position where you have this core that isn't really working out and the only way to get better is to kind of 
break apart a few of the pieces that are worth anything and try to get something of value in return. The bigger question for me is whether or not Rick Hahn is going to be the person to do that. <laughs> yeah, as I wrote in the race to the bottom piece, apparently it's going to be one of a series. Lord help us. Uh, was in in 2018. Obviously, the tone we've talked, we've discussed this on podcast before. You know, the the feeling was different. I mean, it was agony, but it was agony of well, this is like you got to get you know you're you're pulling the bad tooth or something, whatever. Terrible metaphor, but uh, you know, you knew this was what it was supposed to be. Uh, you didn't necessarily have headline uh, names. You had Jose Breu, uh, Lucas Gilito. There really wasn't much else to survive. Tim Anderson, but. <laughs> they're headline names now and we have actually worse results same to worst results so uh uh surveying the room other feelings just about where we're where we're standing and how the six ahead because it's hard to argue with what tommy just laid out there but uh twists on it i mean this time this team is bad <laughs> like unbearable to watch sometimes bad so I haven't, like I've said in my article um, for Sunday morning, I haven't been watching as much White Sox as other teams because I don't like to be miserable. So I don't like to watch the White Sox right now. Good job to them right now for doing good tonight. And I'm sure that people will say we're so back, but um, <laughs> no, this team is still bad. Um, I just want to say, speaking of Tim Anderson, can you guys, because can people just leave him alone? Like, let the man exist without finding something to, like, just nitpick? The man was just talking to his former teammate and said, maybe he said something about pitch clock. Maybe he said he hates this place. Who cares? A lot of us hate our bosses our day jobs anyway. Not the night job because I like Brett, but, you know, usually, <laughs> usually we hate our bosses. So, if he hates his ball stance, that's just a regular thing. And I mean, we, we hate the White Sox and we cover them. So I don't think that's <laughs> exactly. even that controversial a take either. Yeah, It's not a controversial take. That's the funniest thing to me. But White Sox Twitter gun, White Sox Twitter. We don't have wins to talk about. <laughs> so let's talk about Tim. Uh, Crystal, Melissa, how you feeling? Boy, Crystal and I are both like speechless. <laughs> We're like, that's, what, that's what we feel like. We feel like speechless. Um, I just, I go back and forth of like, not believing in any way, shape or form that they're going to be back and they're going to be able to pull off some type of miracle um, bounce back season where they're going to be in any, any type of contention. But I do want the season to to have enough games that are at least fun to watch, you know, like tonight is fun to watch. Now, if we're not going to do it every night, like that's fine, but not once we'll do it once. And then we're not going to do it again for 10 games. Like that is just miserable. Like I, and I don't want to be miserable. And I really feel like with, with Liam, hopefully coming back soon and crochet and, you know, hopefully, that'll help the bullpen out a little bit and maybe it won't be completely miserable because I know it's not going to be great. So if it can just not be miserable, I would and, be happy. And you could argue that they have an easier job this year. Uh, you, you could push back on this and feel free to, but last year expectations coming up a 93 win season, 
the idea that 500 that they're going to sell at 500 you know every, every podcast was like okay easy part of the schedule okay they're going to get hot okay whatever you know they were under a microscope for good reason they put themselves there this was supposed to be their pushing to maybe deep into the 90s win season and no doubt division and no doubt winning a round of playoffs and they said i, I think expectations and i'm going to get to a question after we hear from crystal too i'm going to bounce it back to dante too because you could argue this season uh was sort of made easier because you know expectations had to be thrown out the window but again i'm going to challenge dante in a second crystal uh okay aside from speechless uh, and aside from focusing on other teams and visiting dugout, thank you for doing so. Uh, <laughs> we need that release. Uh, when you're forced to think about the White Sox, as you even are on visiting dugout, uh, how are you feeling? Um, well, today I'm wearing a Jerry Votto shirt. Okay. If that tells you anything. That's and good answer, yeah. is clearly very mad as well. <laughs> I didn't really direct the question to Willow, but feel free to jump in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to have fun. This team isn't really fun at all. Although this game currently, that was kind of a blast with, uh, Jake Berger and Gavin Sheets, but I'm just not, not having fun. Uh, looking forward to seeing other teams play instead. That's really where I'm at with the season. I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> Well, there's a lot of, there's been a lot of mixed feedback on uh, the host here already tonight. Boy, I hope there's more because I always like it. I don't always get it. It's a vacuum here. It's a vacuum at the top. It is a vacuum at the top. That's what he says. Dante, I got to throw it back to you because in this room, Melissa's sort of famous for uh, at least self-admitted glass half empty. Tommy, completely sober, maybe emptied half the glass, completely sober, picked, I believe, well, whatever, 70, 70 something wins. Angrier than me, Crystal uh, uh, matched that. Iowa had them under 500. I think Melissa wanted them to be better, but still, you know, in the back of her head says, mm. uh, Dante Jones, you were the one, at least in this room, who was maybe most hopeful or optimistic. Um, so let me throw it back to you in terms of just, uh, as much as you're trying to not think about them and not watch them, is that a reaction to the fact you had, uh, higher hopes? Cause you came in perhaps with a little bit more, uh, well, just a little bit more hope than maybe the rest of us. Yeah. I called them a wild card team. And, um, as an adult, you know, you gotta admit when you're wrong and, um, <laughs> I will take the L on this one. You're putting away your childish things, and you're just no, taking. We are, we are not. We are not going to pretend that. Like for example, I did call the Yankees somehow not making the playoffs, which I still don't think will actually happen. But that was that was something positive. At least I'll take that. But um, in general, man, I was wrong about this team. I picked them to win eighty four wins, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Like the peak of what they'll hit. I saw a scenario where it can go to like. 80 79 wins sure sure i didn't see anything going above 84 I'm, I'm being honest because i just didn't see it in the team i saw this division being horrible but like oof it's horrible and the white Sox are somehow even underperforming that yeah i remember last year uh probably coming out of the podcast once again because again every every few games every series or so or maybe every week we're like okay here here we're look we're desperately reading the tea leaves trying to figure out okay this team is going to, they're going to turn a corner to the point where we even, you know, ran a, probably a far too protracted you know, series at Southside Sox, where it really did just sort of pre- try to predict the rest of the season, see, forecast, 
project how these teams are going to end up. And it started out very close. I think we had it like almost a three-way tie. Uh, and the White Sox they could not even sustain that, despite the fact that, by and large, the schedule was getting easier. And, you know, they certainly made a mockery of the whole notion that, geez, we got a bunch of games against the Royals coming up, so we're going to get really fat off of that. It didn't happen. And I think all of us were willing to, you know, I'm pretty sure Tommy, Crystal, even the, the most grizzled predictors here, were willing to acknowledge that this division was poor enough that something could happen. You could back your way into it. Still could. A 500 team could win this division because <laughs> the Twins are going to twin at some point. Uh, but, I mean, the idea that the White Sox aren't even going to get to 500 to be in that discussion is is sort of uh, hey, gutting. Right. I assume this defied everybody's hey, expectations. No. I mean, this this goes back to the inevitability of someone getting hurt on the White yeah. Sox roster. Yeah. And them just not addressing the depth where you have guys that they're finding off the street pitching in Charlotte right now, because they still don't really have five starters in Charlotte. And, and that's just at the AAA level, like let alone anything that's happening on any of the other levels. And that's where you look at the other teams that are not even great teams just good teams that's what they're able to do is they're able to find guys bring them in and you at least have depth where when someone gets hurt it's like all right we got this guy he's not great but we can plug him in where you know here the white Sox are you know holding out hope that hanser alberto and you know these random adam hazley is, is going to be continue to be the top hitting player on the white Sox, and it's just like that's not a model for any sort of sustained success yeah and even compared to last year where you were really looking at i mean and davis martin did sort of end up accidentally fulfilling that jumping yeah. up from double a but my as you as i'm listening to you talking time i'm thinking well now this year they don't even have the front line guys they don't have anybody well enough so i mean the, the 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 front line ranks are decimated in a way they weren't even last year um, so yeah, depth would be great. <laughs> we could use them like in the rotation now, but that, that doesn't even exist. And so I guess we see another weakness of the white sex where it's not just the fill in for injury, say like last year, it's when a guy's underperforming, there's just, there's not, what are you, you going to really get rid of Elvis Andrews? Not necessarily because who, who else is there to, you know, to, to perform coming up exactly. uh, the outfield, you know, a bunch of four, a guys at this point, Clint Frazier hits 800 home runs. He's going to come up to the white Sox and strike out 13 times. So yeah, the utter lack of, of depth, even though the system, I guess, has gotten better. They are winning some games. Uh, it makes it, it makes it tough to be too inspired looking ahead this season or, or, or past this. Uh, again, a, a surprise, you know, Dante's address where it's like, well, okay, Mia culpa a little bit. Tom says, no, nah, I knew this was going to happen. Uh, uh, Melissa Crystal, is this is aspects of this a, a surprise? No, this is exactly why I lower my expectations with this team and lower my expectations of what they're going to end up at. That's why I am so negative, especially when we're going into that kind of season prediction. I'm just like, well, they're going to suck no matter what. Somebody's going to get injured there. Like Tommy said, there is absolutely no depth for this team. So I will constantly be negative until they can prove me wrong. Yeah, and no improvement, no real offseason improvement. So you couldn't say, you know, I mean, we've we've been fooled by the so-called improvements. 
uh, in the past where maybe even on paper, it seemed okay. You know, they bolstered the bullpen or, you know, whatever. And then, and then maybe some guys have come through and maybe they haven't. Uh, yeah, this year there wasn't even the charade of, well, we improved ourselves. So yeah, going in, you had to think, how can this even be a 500 team? Because they've taken a step back just by losing a Brayu. Um, Melissa, again, the cup, I'm always sort of trying to measure that cup level with you. So, I mean, was, was there an aspect where, you know, maybe you are a little bit surprised or that you did have a little streak of optimism? Especially yeah. that first series, we all felt okay. <laughs> well, and I, I mean, I did it to myself by going to spring training. Like, how can you not feel optimistic when you go to spring training? And like, I, I mean, I just wanted them to be better. So I bought into like the narrative of Griffal and him saying the right things. And yeah, you know, we didn't make huge offseason moves, but we brought in Benintendi and then the other person. But I mean, so... I, I did buy into the hope a little bit. Um, and then very quickly, my, my hope was crushed. <laughs> it is. It, I mean, I knew that it knew deep down that they weren't going to be great, but I did not, ex- I did not expect it to be this bad. I mean, if it continues and then we, you know, win 54 games or whatever, like I, I didn't think it would be that bad. I really did think Larusa was a big part of the problem. And I thought, that there was some hope that some new perspective and new approaches could could help, but this has just been way worse than even my glass half empty approach <laughs> thought. New manager, same old Rick Hahn. Okay, let's take a break, uh, and we're gonna take a little twist on what we just been talking about here. Because why not? Why not just be miserable even when the White Sox are blowing out? the Cleveland team. Uh, We are going to sell you something on the fans first sports network for a minute or so. I'm sure it's good stuff. So please listen, hang with us because the second half, as long as it'll be, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. So hang in with us. White Sox fans. Somehow, once again, I am hosting uh, the Sox Populi podcast. It's 146, 146. We are coming up as a group. We've had, I don't know, like 16 different podcasts, I think our newest edition, Visiting Dugout, is cranking them out. Uh, uh, we are steaming toward 400 podcasts. We had a few that don't really count in the whole um, megaphone, whatever, umbrella. We did some SoundCloud stuff. So technically, we probably already passed that. But at least officially, uh, via megaphone, we're coming up on 400. Maybe we'll do a 400th podcast. And maybe, maybe it'll be sunnier than this one. I don't know. Probably not, because it's coming in the future, and the future doesn't look so good for the White Sox. So what I want to throw out to the field, and again, I'm sorry that some of this ends up being, you know, repetition. we got to do podcasts. It's hard to talk about happy stuff. I mean, hey, any of you are welcome to, be, to, to join me and Darren Black on the uh, Sox Pop on the Farm. There's a little optimism there. There's some guys who are actually sort of raking DJ Gladney. Wow. He's sort of exciting to see uh, popping the ball. Anyhow, uh, you know, that's a little more fun. You can pretend you, you remember that there are like a hundred something other players in the organization and some of them are actually sort of good and not criminals or whatever, but okay. That gets to the point uh, that I want to make here. And that is uh, again, contrasting, I'm sorry, race to the bottom uh, with 2018, which uh, right now this 2023 team is sort of neck and neck with uh, things were very different, you know, certainly different point in the rebuild. Uh, you couldn't help but be optimistic. It was sort of fun, bad. You realize there was going to be, you're going to get a few scars watching that team, but you had Ricky Renneria, a team, uh, a manager that for whatever his faults, the, the, the clubhouse did seem to adore. He seemed to be a good guy, whatever that means, not to say Pedro Grafal is not, but there is a decidedly different tone 
attached to this team now, not just because some guys keep getting injured or some guys are underperforming or a couple guys are in the last year of their contracts and maybe didn't fulfill them or whatever. But, you know, beyond just that, the fact that this has been sort of a contention window, unfulfilled, broken, slammed shut, uh, there's just a bad vibe around this team that you sort of can't get around. And obviously there are, you know, at least one very large elephant in the room, but I think it's arguably more than that. Uh, that makes it easy to contrast with 2018 on a number of levels, but really just the feeling you get from this team. It is a lot harder. Disappointment aside, it is harder to root for this team. I'm, I'm not wrong there, correct? Not wrong at all, because um, the, as you said, the elephant in the room already makes it difficult to cheer for them. And then this team sucks. <laughs> so, like, all of that compounds into a viewing experience that you don't, you just don't want to deal with, like, at all. Because why watch something that makes you miserable because they suck while also making you miserable because there's a person on a team that you just cannot morally support? And this is how serious it is with you, Dante. You've seen, I could be wrong, you've seen as many or perhaps more games at Wrigley Field this year than Sox teams, or it's close. I mean, that's, it's that's three, serious. Three, three. And since I didn't go to today's game, the Cubs, um, the North Sides, they will probably take that lead next week. So <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but at least yeah. I get to see teams such as the failing Mets and the failing Padres go there. And then I'll probably reverse the course when I go see Shohei come to the White Sox. Sure, sure. But I mean, yeah, just just to put in some context of how ugly it's been for you, I mean, you're going to the north side to see games. I mean, that is serious, uh, serious uh, apprehension about uh, our club. I mean, that's really all you need to say. There's your your mic. I just do my best uh, to give neither one of these people money at this point. Yeah. Ryan Stoff can't have a dime. And somehow, some way, the Ricketts family can have even less dimes. Yeah, that's for sure. Keep it, in, keep it in perspective. It can never be as bad as I went. In theory, it can never be as bad as is on the north side. Sorry, Northside fans. We, you, you know, we hate you. We know we're obsessed with you. Yeah, whatever. Your ownership sucks. Even worse than ours. That should make you feel pretty awful. But somehow, it doesn't. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay. Uh, Tommy, Melissa, Crystal, uh, again, I don't mean to hit you with a sledgehammer question because the answer is sort of easy, but I'm interested to know um, <laughs> what the process is in our quarter into the season in terms of just the feel about this team. I think the reason why there's this level of anger and frustration towards the team is because we know that literally everything has to go poorly for there to be change. And I, I think it, there isn't a young core anymore to watch. There isn't, you know, yes, there are prospects that the White Sox do have, but there's nobody that's like coming up this year. Oscar Colas was supposed to be that person that didn't really happen. Um, there isn't anything like that to watch for. Yes, you have Luis Robert Jr., but I mean, it just feels like such an odd mix of players right now that aren't meshing well that it's frankly painful to watch like to this game against the guardians with the six Oh lead was the first time I've seen kind of a glimpse of that swag and that optimism and the personality 
that they had when they were under Ricky Renneria. And, you know, if that continues, great, but I, I don't think it necessarily will. And it really just feels like, all right, we're delaying the inevitable until things need to change. And knowing Jeremy Reinsdorf, he's not going to rip the Band-Aid off unless he has to. And that means things have to get unbearably bad for him <laughs> to actually want to change things. Well, wait, wait, Tommy, they're not unbearably bad? You know, surprisingly, not they're not. They're really not. Yeah. Very, very still like, it can always get worse. I, I'm yeah. waiting. They're not the A's. They're not the A's. That's the yeah. thing. Barely. They're barely not the yeah. A's. Let's, let's, let's not count that yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, Tommy, and, and to follow up on Luis, is it odd that the, the clear best player on this team, and I mean, he's been extremely hot, then he yep. got super cold and now extremely hot again. He's been like the flashpoint of this roster of like pseudo controversy. Granted, okay, he steals too many fly balls. All right, it's sort of cute. They make they make bobbleheads about it, but now it's like okay, slap his hand. Uh, we get the Grafal thing where he like yep. benched him and then shouted up to the press box of like, yeah, it's for performance. That, that extremely strange swing and miss. I mean, it, this is the clear MVP of the team. And he's the guy who's like, sort of like in the most trouble on the team. It yeah. shows you how strange the, 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 uh, the perspective is. Absolutely. And, you know, on top of that, given that communication was supposed to be the point of emphasis for the team this year, it, it just shows <laughs> how badly either they missed in actually executing that or how poor an evaluator Rickon actually is again. I, I don't know which one you want to pick, but it just seems like going into the season, these were all the things that fans were being sold on and why Rickon was damn near doing a happy dance at that press conference mm -hmm. to now where <laughs> I, it doesn't look like the players can stand to be around Pedro Griffel at all. Like I, they don't seem happy to be there. Yeah. Option number three, Tommy, Tony LaRusso was a really good communicator. Oh, you know, no, that's not it. We can't he, figure he this out. He was asleep. So maybe he had very lucid <laughs> dreams. Right. I, yeah. I not know. negative. Maybe not negative. He didn't have like, you know, you're mean to kick around or whatever. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Melissa, um, Crystal, um, I, I guess I'll just piggyback a little bit off of what Tommy was saying. And like, they're just not a likable bunch. Like you don't have that with the very, you know, exception of like Luis Robert, like how do you not want to root for him and cheer for him? And he's, you know, making incredible superhuman plays in the outfield and things like that. And he is just so talented. Like, how do you not get behind that? Or, you know, the story of like Jake Berger and, you know, injuring his Achilles heels and, you know, coming back from the dead basically as a, as a ball player to, to now hitting bombs, you know, at home and, and crazy stuff like that. But like, other than that, there's just not a lot of like fun stories and things to rally around that make you excited to watch like, Oh, and so-and-so is coming to bat. You know, it's just, it's like a, a lot of, there's like, there isn't a personality of the team, I guess that for me makes it kind of. And uh, interesting. You say that Melissa, because you've decided to take upon yourself, I believe now for a third edition, just published what would be yesterday, the Southside Sox 
summary. So you have given yourself a challenge for the rest of this year to somehow maybe find that enthusiasm. I mean, I guess it could be negative enthusiasm. Oh my God, you could create new character uh, categories. Like, boy, I didn't think they could suck worse, but dot, dot, dot. But I mean, you know, kudos to you. It's a, it's a fun series. I've enjoyed reading it, but um, you've challenged yourself. This is true. This is true. Like I do have to come up with like the defensive gem of the week and like the surprise player of the week and things. So I do have to dig deep and mm-hmm. find those. But okay, this week, like the whole thing was Luis Robert. Yeah. Like he had all the home yeah. runs. He had the, like, it, yeah. so it, it kind of goes back to that again. Like what is this personality of this team? Like what, what is there to rally around? You know, the whole like mobster thing, it feels so forced. It doesn't feel <laughs> It, it doesn't feel organic, you know, like Sage and I joke around, like it'd be so much more fun to like take a laundry basket full of white socks and dump it over your head, you know, like it, it just, it's not, yeah, everything about it feels forced. And I mean, but I guess that's the name of this team, like all this narrative that's been forced on our throat. Yeah. Oscar Colas is amazing. He's the next greatest thing. But today, did you know he's not quite ready to come yeah. back to the major? What? Like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. What are you talking about? How can you for months all off season tell us that this guy is major league ready and, you know, and then he all of a sudden he's not. And he, even though he's raking and he's doing amazing in Charlotte, but he's not, we want him to keep working on things. So how are we supposed to trust you at all? Melissa Sage Bolenbach with her byline on the Southside Sox summer. I predict sometime this season. It's just going to consist of carriage returns. They're going to have a Southside Sox summary just because it's so painful. It's going to be her, not mic drop, walking away from the mic, just saying, you know what? Pass this week. Uh, Crystal O'Keefe invested in this team, at least in, I don't know, forecasting series. Uh, you've, you've admitted to me that you end up having to like listen to people saying like, oh man, you know, man, not so bad. And you're like, well, you know, you're not watching them. It's nice that you say that. Thanks for being sweet, but no, you're not right twins expert or tigers expert um and of course uh you know we know at least regarding the elephant in the room you know you've been putting your money where your mouth is in terms of pushing back against that which is not a fun thing to have to do as a fan of anything much less a fan of a baseball team in part you came to this team because some of that stuff was going on with that other team for god's sake what a what a mess uh, apologies. I'm sorry for a longer White Sox fan, from a longer White Sox fan than you, Crystal, to you. I am sorry for what has happened to you during your short fandom. Uh, that said, uh, vibe check, uh, can't be great. Yeah, no, it's not. And, you know, they, they get rid of one cancer in the dugout only to bring on somehow an even worse cancer in their starting rotation. So, I mean, that's no fun. And then, you know, kind of the like most charismatic, fun player you can watch has to have emergency appendectomy in Cincinnati. And, you know, they today in this game, they're batting their maybe best or second best, you know, hitter on the team in eighth. Like nothing makes sense. There's nothing right now that I can just be like, oh, I love that so much. And, you know, Melissa said they're, their stupid little home run thing now. Like, I hate that. Like, there's just nothing, there's nothing right now that makes me think, man, this team is just 
fun to watch, even if they aren't playing very well. Like it's not even a funny bad. It's just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's all just bad. There's, I'm so negative, but man, it's not fun. Well, I'll admit during this off season, I was trying to think about what the 2023 uh, team needed. And, and you know what I th- I did realize, I mean, I'm going to tr- take care for this. I really thought the Chicago White Sox in 2023 needed more Al Capone. And so they've, they've, they've delivered that. God bless you, White Sox. I was thinking, you know, we haven't had enough Al Capone association in the last I few mean, decades. Why, and, you why know, they just do H.H. H. Holmes? I mean, uh, another famous Chicago, like, murderer. But, but I <laughs> mean, was next more, year. more than half the roster has no idea who Al Capone is or even the mobster connection, which is why it's so awkward. It was Elvis Andrews of everyone on the team that came up with it. And it's like, did he just have... Was he at Burlington Coat Factory? And was like, ooh, this would be fun. Let, let me bring this into the clubhouse. Like, I don't understand how anyone thought that this was the move. And that's what they're going with. But it sums up the team. Is Burlington even still around? Like, that's a throwback. I think they are. I'm sure they are somewhere. Somewhere. I was going to say, you know, it makes sense that the emulated Al Capone and other gangsters and mobsters. Because the same wakes you want to drink. And I'm pretty sure they can provide that for you at least. <laughs> I mean, hey, it's Tuesday. Five dollar Modelo's and whatever other drinks they have. Chicago's sort of famed for some serial killers. 2024 again. We always say it. Free ideas on the Sox Popular Podcast. White Sox, go ahead and steal it. We know you're going to want to. Hey, we didn't know. We didn't know dressing up like a clown after a home run was going to be offensive. Everyone already thinks they're clowns. Like, what do you want them to do? I mean, again, Chicago and Bozo. That's true. They could easily dodge that. Oh, it ain't no gacy thing. Everyone dresses up like Bozo, a clown, and we make it like even better. I love the whole wig and everything. Yeah, they could have said it was Bozo. (laughs) It was. It meant to be Bozo the clown, not Gacy. Um. Okay, well, as if if that wasn't fun enough, let's try to wind this up as we try to do on the podcast with maybe some sort of speed round type of thing. Maybe something that will be fun, but no, it might not be fun. It could just induce tears because I'm going to ask each of my panelists here to tell me how a second crack at predictions. How is this going to end? This year, not next year, like Rick Hahn will be fired in 2035, how is this season going to play out? What's the vibe? I know what you want to have happen, so you don't necessarily need to say that unless you really think that you will be able to exert your will. Your mental fortitude will somehow control the White Sox front office by remote. And God bless you. If you have that power, please don't worry about like getting a good slice of pizza tomorrow at dinner. Please just focus on the right things for the White Sox in the front office and clean house. Uh, what's it going to be? Chris, I'm going to go right back to you uh, as maybe Willow is mellow for a moment or not. Um, and yeah. wh- how, how's it going to play out? Um, they are going to throw Pedro under the bus and say that this is his fault entirely while everyone else keeps their jobs. Okay. All right. And that will happen. That will We will get almost, almost to or to the end of the season before that happens. And then it's just simply uh, he was the wrong guy. Yeah. Re-rack it for next year. I feel like it. it's like July or August. Okay. Tony, you still available? Okay. All right. Uh, okay. Fair enough. Dante, how's it going to play out? Aside from you all year juggling Wrigley games, 
and Sox Park games, and it might go right down to the wire. Aside from that, because we know that's how it's going to play out, uh, on the field, what's going to happen? Um, 70-92 is my new prediction, as okay. in maybe the lowest on the staff now, because okay. I've seen nothing that shows me otherwise. Um, as much as I, it pains me to say it, Tim Anderson, congrats. You're a Dodger. <laughs> yeah. um, Luis Robert, he's going to be French MVP candidate if he continues like this. But for some reason, White Sox fans will still be yelling trade him at the deadline yeah. because right. we do things like that. And as Crystal said, Pedro's going to get thrown under a bus, ran over, and Lot B, <laughs> not going to be fun. And he seems like a nice dude. I don't think he deserves it, but them's the breaks. And Rick Hahn will just be sitting somewhere in that stadium, sipping a cognac, having a cigar, and saying, I got you again. <laughs> yeah, cackle, cackle. Uh, now, Dante, you may think that you decide to swing like crazy negative, and it is true. At this point, you would be a low predictor on a poll. But just a year ago, um, Crystal was so fed up with this team. I believe she swung from, if I'm not wrong, 99 wins to, I want to say, 47. So, you know, there is precedent here for crazier swings than that. Although, credit due, 70 wins, that's terrible. And unfortunately, they would be lucky at this point. They're going to have to pick it up to make that pace. Dante. This yeah. is horrible. Uh, Tommy. Is, oh, yeah. I was going to say, funny thing is, there's another podcast I listen to, and one of the segments is, 70 or 90, as in teams at the beginning of the year, you think it win 70 games if they're at their worst or 90 games if they're at their peak. And good Lord, I didn't expect the White Sox to be that bad towards the low end, but they're there. We know everybody out there listening to Dante, he brings the wisdom to the podcast. He brings the wisdom to the writing. Don't feel that you need to necessarily follow him when he admits to listening to other podcasts. We know your heart is first and foremost with, with Sox Populi and Fans for Sport Network. Yeah, when you got a little extra time, sure, listen to something else. I mean, beyond Disney Dugout, there's a lot of them. I'm not sure you're going to be able to get through all the Sox Populi stuff to listen to other ones. Dante, man's got an appetite, and I admire it. But don't feel you need to follow in his footsteps in that respect. That said, well done, Dante. Uh, 70 wins. Tommy Barbie, how is this going to play? I want to point out that some podcasts ago, I did predict Pedro was, he was going to be casualty here. I'm not saying anybody's copying me because Lord knows that's a bad, bad life strategy. Please don't do that, folks. Uh, but yeah, I could, you could see this coming. So Tommy, you don't necessarily have to uh, harumph along with that, but uh, how do you see things playing out? Will it be more explosive or even less so? I mean, I've, I, Peg Charlie Montoyo to be the next White Sox manager mm -hmm. from the beginning. And I, I still yeah. think that's what's going to end up happening. Um, what I do see happening is the White Sox will have one of their patented midsummer stretches where they win a bunch mm -hmm. of games and give people hope and optimism. Mm -hmm. People start to get healthy. The, you know, the unnecessarily optimistic fans are like, oh, we're back, we're back, we're mm -hmm. back. Trade deadline hits, half the roster is gone. Ooh. And the reason why I say that is because I think, one, Jerry is going to start tightening the, the budget a little bit. And after seeing how spending money hasn't paid off, I think he's going to 
cut back on a lot of the debt weight from the relievers, try to get what he can out of Giolito, try to get what he can out of TA. And basically it's going to be clean house, rearrange the deck chairs again at the end of the year where Rick Hahn isn't fired, but he's given some other job where nobody knows what he does like Kenny Williams and just exists in the brass of the White Sox. And they start fresh because I, I think, they remind me so much of where the Bulls were at the end of the Garpax era, where it was just clear there was no direction. They weren't getting anything out of the product. And that's really what Jerry looks at when he looks at his teams. He's like, what am I getting in terms of revenue out of this product? And if he's spending this much money and fans still aren't going to games, fans aren't happy, what's the point? And I, I could see him just kind of saying, all right, let's blow it up. And it won't be a full rebuild. There will still be your Mankatas, your Luis Roberts. All those guys will still be there. But I think a lot of the other veteran guys that have been here are all going to be gone. Cautionary tale, fans listening out there, Tommy Barbie's wisdom. It won't necessarily get better. He cites the Bulls. It's different. Back in mediocre land again. Hey, <laughs> it's different. <laughs> they're they're just one magic Derrick Rose folded corner of an envelope picked out of a hopper away from being a dominant team again. How about that? Uh, okay, Melissa, the, the cup could be empty. I don't know. Maybe it's going to fill up. Um, how's the season play out? Well, I like even numbers, so I'm going with sixty-two and a hundred. <laughs> Because I, I don't think they'll stay on the, the horrid pace that they're on right now, but it will just be like a little bit better. Just fall short. They won't even win that. <laughs> and the White Sox are going to White Sox. So the new GM, they're going to, they are going to get rid of Rakan, whether it's like giving him some other thing to do. Um, and it's going to be like Jim Tomey, like, welcome your new GM. It's Jim <laughs> Tomey. And all, you know, there's going to be this huge faction of, of White Sox fans are going to be like, yeah. you know, the ones who always love the hiring of the former mm-hmm. White Sox people. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's just going to, it's, you know, cue the circus music. <laughs> The White Sox touched the stove and it burned them, so they got to go back to what they always know. The, the problem is they touched a royal stove. We could have told them this was going to happen, but then we're not getting paid in those juicy six figures. Are we? Wait a minute. Box? Sox popular? Fans for a sport? No, I don't think six figures. I don't think four figures. But anyway, we're here for the love of the game. Aren't you lucky to be listening to all of us? Uh, okay, I will uh, throw in. Uh, I've already said, uh, yeah, Pedro is, is definitely the fall guy. He's gone. Deserve it or not, I mean, clearly he's not the only one who deserves to lose his job. I will say, and I'm going to throw this around because Melissa's already answered in the affirmative, I will say that if we are in a race to the bottom circumstance, which would be pushing triple-figure losses, I would think that would definitely put put the, this team in the, the 10 worst in Sox history, and there have been some bad ones, uh, that, yes, house will be cleaned. I do think that somehow, just because he doesn't know what else to do, he'll hand the keys back to Ken Williams, who wants to get out too. So Ken will set up the next generation and probably go be, you know, a, a, a Las Vegas uh, Raiders um, analyst or something, you know, which is what he's always wanted to do. Uh, and yeah, it probably would. It'll be like, you know, PK manager, Tome GM, Przinsky bench coach. I don't know, some kind of nonsense like that. But okay, I'm going to throw it to the three of you who did not necessarily answer 
this question, uh, will a rebuild kick in at any, are there any circumstances in 2023 that a cleaning of the house will happen? Because I know there's some resistance out there that things will never change. And I don't think that's necessarily wrong. And me and Melissa might be just wishfully thinking, but uh, Crystal, Dante, Tommy, uh, is there any circumstance that house is cleaned? I mean, I think it's, I, I think it's a surefire thing at this point. I, I just think it's a matter of how you define cleaning house because the White Sox definition is very different from most organizations. Charlie Matoy. Exactly. <laughs> Clean house. He's a guy we wanted all along. He doesn't have any Kansas City Royal stink on him. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, rebuild quote unquote, uh, Dante crystal, uh, any, any chance of it this year? I don't think it's going to be, well, I don't know. It could be this year because I think fans have really started kind of speaking with their money yeah. and really showing a distaste for what's going on. I mean, the, the sell Jerry billboards, the, yeah. You know, fans not showing up, fans taking their snack packs. Shout out to Allie. Um, so they're not buying concessions. Like, I think people have reached the point where they are fed up, but they still care too much. So they want to see this team, but they're trying more and more to show Jerry and show Rick that they are just not pleased with the products they are offering. And I think... If that continues this year, then yeah, it could happen. I almost don't want them to ever go on like a hot streak so they can just stay bad and really show, you know, Rick is not the right guy. Jerry needs to needs to go. Kenny needs to go, you know. But I just worry that they're going to somehow like warm up in the next few months mm -hmm. and be, again, that – mediocre team that they always are but that's that's good enough for rick that's good enough yeah, for jerry because yeah. fans are still coming in so yeah, i think unless they really lose a bunch of money on this season they're not going anywhere this year uh yeah the uh we want to see them suffer for their sins they've made some i mean they've been say, made some deliberately bad choice this isn't just picking a bad name although i argue you adam eaton isn't a good guy but he's not on nearly the same level of bad guy mostly sort of a doofus guy right then you know who they signed this offseason so you do sort of want to see some some ramifications for those types of decisions and this would be man i hate making this into a a bleed cubby podcast it seems to come up a lot but this is the argument that cubs fans will will give you and that is well you know this is culture this is the friends we made along the way um so my fandom can will stretch beyond um rickets uh i'm that's a bridge I couldn't cross, but I mean, I understand the logic there and that's what's going on here. You're not going to necessarily abandon just go, heck, going to see your friends, going to your favorite seat, whatever it is, maybe picking up a bobblehead every year, you do it every year or something. So I understand the, the, the habit of it and there's nothing wrong with that. And you know, the habit by bringing and also bring while also bringing in a snack pack, that's about the cleverest way to do it. And maybe just parking just on the fringe. So you don't have to necessarily drop the 30 bucks or whatnot. Uh, Dante, any chance, that the house is clean this season. You have, you have, apparently you've been, you've been undercut in just this podcast by Melissa, but you have revised down to 70. Is that enough to get the house cleaned? Wishful thinking. Early? Oh yeah. I think, um, okay. if we're like this thing, 
I care less and less about the players that need to go besides the aforementioned horrible human. Mm-hmm. Besides him, it's like, okay, well, if I don't care about the players yeah. that need to go. Because it doesn't matter if you if you get rid of these players, if the same people get to choose who replaces them. Yeah. So the teardown, it could be it'll probably be on the field more than the front office because the only way we get rid of Jerry is um a re a way that we have to redact. Or a different way we have to <laughs> Right? Or a different way we have to react. So the Reaper, it's okay. <laughs> we can. I was gonna say, I was literally gonna say the Reaper, but like the other ways are the truly redacted ones. But like, I, this front office needs to go from the top down. It needs to go, and if the front office goes, then trust me, Pedro's gonna get next year, and that's it. If things don't turn around, that the front office goes. And you would think that there'll be some point. Like, look at the NBA, for example. Three dudes that won the that won three yep. of the last like four or five championships in the NBA got fired yep. in the last two weeks. They literally just were at the mountaintop. Yep. Well, two of them won a championship, and one was in the finals. But point is, they were at the mountaintop and got fired. The White Sox haven't even gotten close to the mountaintop since two thousand five. Mm-hmm. And yet, Kenny Williams still here. Rick Hahn is here still. Jerry Reinstorf, like I say, he's the owner. So, like, like him or not, we have to deal with him. No team that has any sense will let this regime continue to fuck up as long as they fuck <laughs> up. So, hopefully, that we hopefully we get changed. But I'm not expecting it until I get the reports from like. Nightingale lower only of the Chicago White Sox have parted ways because don't worry, it mm-hmm. won't be fired, it'll be parted mm-hmm. ways, amblicably or whatever, mm-hmm. with Rick Hahn mm-hmm. or with Kenny Williams. Kenny Williams has retired, yeah, health. And then, issues. like you said, the people's got to come for Jerry, so <laughs> I ain't wishing death on anybody, but I ain't coming mad. See, White Sox, we say this every podcast now. This is what you've reduced us to. We're now handicapping the Grim Reaper. Hey, shout out. Doc Rivers talked many a time covering the NBA about your beloved Chicago White Sox. That's something we had in common. We we need you men and women of notoriety to proudly stand up. Well, maybe not this year, but norm, under normal circumstances, proudly stand up for your White Sox and be willing to to talk shop with like-minded fans, meaning smart ones. Not this year again. Sorry, exception. I can't really crow and brag and taunt too much when I'm a White Sox fan in 2023 now, can I? Uh, okay, super speed round before we go because, bah, what, like, Crystal and Tommy got to go, like, cover a game and write stuff up. Okay, super speed round. What's more likely? Team bounces back anyway. Tom, Tommy's acknowledged he thinks there's going to be at least they got at least one little hot streak in them. Team bounce back, bounces back to the degree that at least avoids absolute Armageddon on the south side or full blowout cleaning of the house. What is more likely? Everything sort of returns to some degree in 2024 or house clean. Uh, Melissa. I, yeah, I go house clean. I think All they're right. going to, yep. I think it's, that's, that's what's going to happen. All right, Tommy, you've as much as said it, but uh, what is it for you? House clean, because I think even if there's a hot streak, it's not going to be enough to recover from <laughs> this. <laughs> hot streak would just get us to quit the race for right, the bottom e- exactly. series. That's all. Yeah, it's still going to suck. Yeah, it's still going to be awful, and it's still 
I mean, there there's just such a horror show happening right now with how this team is built for the near future. Just looking at even, you know, next year contracts and the year after that they're going to start selling. White Sox, five intelligent fans, passionate fans, add up all the years we've been fans. It's, I don't know, it's more than 100 something. That's not just me either. Okay, more than 100. Uh, look what you've done to us. We're all wearing scarlet like W's. Thanks. Man, what a year. Can't wait for the, 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 the three quarters still to come. Okay, Dante, more likely, house clean or, hey, just scrape by enough to run it all back in 2024. Um, if we lose seven, I mean, if we lose 92, House cleaning. Okay. So um go lose 92 because they ain't no way in the <laughs> championship. <laughs> That's a pennant they're you're not gonna find. Uh, maybe on maybe on the outside, maybe the, the bootleggers, they might have that pennant, but I don't think in the park you're gonna see that pennant. Go with lose 92. Come on, White Sox. Uh okay. Crystal, is it a clean sweep, or do you think somehow it all scrapes by to next year? So I have a caveat with this. There's they're going to clean house. But it is going to be more nepotism, and every new hire is going to be somehow related to Jerry. Okay. Yeah, like literally, there will be like another Reinsdorf child we never knew about, and that'll be the new, the new chairman or Eddie Einhorn's like nephew will will make a run. Sure. No vex though. Mm. Uh, okay. Um, all right. Listen, I'm okay. I'm, I won't just be a contra- a contrarian. Um, I think they will destroy the race of the bottom series enough. Somehow they will break out of this enough that they will, that they won't clean house, that they will run it back by and large. Now, Pedro, the exception, I think he, I think he's almost inevitably going to go. No, but I think Rick Hahn, a man, I'm shedding many tiny tears just thinking about this. I'm crying inside right now as I say it, but yeah, I think probably it's all back next year. I cannot believe I'm saying this. Wow. But the contrary nature can really, really kick you in the ass sometimes. All right. My ass has been bitten uh, for Melissa Sage Mullenbach, uh, Dante Jones, Tommy Barbie getting to his recap. It's going to be a delicious one. Oh my God. Put a, put a W in the, in the standings column for Tommy. Sweet. That's kind of blue. Uh, and Crystal O'Keefe's got like six stories to write and probably three more visiting dugouts to do. So I got to let her go. Uh, I'm Brett. We'll do this again. I don't know, maybe in a couple of days, maybe in a week, maybe never. Oh, you don't want that. We'll be back sooner than you think. Uh, but thanks for hanging with us for an hour or so while we commiserate and are miserable about the White Sox. Wear your Scarlet W proudly, fans. Hang out with us. We'll be back again. Remember to wear your gear. It's a W. It's Scarlet.